0: My name is Rich Baker and this is Living the Dream. We're in Fort Worth, Texas. The i have my fingers on the pulse of the entertainment community. I talk to the rare few who make their living in the world of entertainment. You know,
1: not that I don't like people yelling dildo at me. Well, I love
0: it. Big thank you to Phil Ranta, CEO of Comedy
1: Podcast Network. I'm supposed to be thinking about my wedding and all I can think of is I gotta get in
0: this theater. <laughs> Thanks also to Tom Burns for the original artwork. Thanks to Diana Lawrence for the original music. McNapier
1: told me, I like you, Dave, but I got 400 guys that look just like you. Yeah.
0: Check us out on iTunes. Subscribe to the
1: feed. If you could leave a comment or a rating or both, that'd be hugely helpful. It blows me away. We've been here 15 years in a prime location, and every week somebody comes in and goes, you guys new?"
0: Facebook.com slash livingthedreampodcast podcast. become a fan. I, I
1: think me and 50 Cent are the hardest working men in show business.
0: Email me, livingthedreampodcast at gmail.com. Anytime you do a good show,
1: it will always lead to another good show.
0: Today's episode features theater owner, actor, writer, improviser, spokesman, Dave Wilk. Living the Dream, my name is Rich, coming at you from Fort Worth, Texas in the four day weekend theater. I'm here with owner of the theater, talent of the theater, film actor, commercial actor, professional writer, uh, so I can't how, wait to meet this guy. Public speaker. He sounds amazing. Talking to David Wilk, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, so there's so much to talk about, we're not going to get to it all in time, but let's start with, so Four Day Weekend is, uh, you own the place, you are in the, the show,
1: you started it. Uh, it's the longest running show in Fort Worth, right? It is. It's almost the longest running show in the Southwest. I think the longest continual cast running show in the Southwest. Wow. Wow.
0: Uh, and at what, so that was what, 13 years ago that you started this? 15. 15 years ago. Yeah, 97,
1: ago. February 28, 97. Our goal was to do six weeks.
0: <laughs> did you hit that goal? We, we barely, made, barely, it. Made, it. <laughs> barely <laughs> made it. Barely <laughs> made it. in dog years. Um, so at what point did 4-Day Weekend stop being a side project and start becoming your living?
1: Oh, it was my living from day one. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, I was making just, money on the first show? No, 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 no. <laughs> but it was all I had. So I, I wasn't making money, but all the money I had, this show was making. How's that? Okay. So if you made $2 in a show, you had you had $2. We had $2. <laughs> but if I made $2 in a show, I would put it into more flyers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I pulled any money out for, God, a, a, I don't know, a couple of years maybe. Everything, you know, everything was grow the machine, grow the yeah. machine, grow the machine. And did you not even have like a part-time job or anything to nope. supplement you with that? No, no, it, and that's the thing about, you know, four-day weekend, it was full-time all the time. It was not show up on the weekends. It was 40, 50, 60-hour work weeks, wow. then come do the shows on the weekend. <laughs> that's, and that's what it takes if you want to start up a theater and, you know, because I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, was, well, who does? It okay. was 95% creativity and 5% business. It was like, oh, how what are we going to do in the show? And the show, and and then, you know, you get your own theater and the liquor license and the insurance and the this and that and the salaries and the P and the Torco and the production company. And, the, and now it's 95% business and 5% creativity. Like, oh, oh, guys, it's Showtime? <laughs> you know, that the week will slip away. So it's kind of, it, you know, the Feed Me Seymour from... Uh, yeah, Little Shop over. Yeah, that's what runs in my head all the time. The machine just needs to be fed.
0: More. More. Feed me. Well, I remember when I first started coming, which was 99, uh, to the show, you were the one on the phone taking the ticket reservations.
1: Rich, when we first started, the first couple years, um, I answered the phones. I would get here at 3 o'clock in the afternoon for an 11 o'clock show. I would hand out flyers from 3 to 8. At 8 when our, making quote marks, box office would open, that mean I would, I would drag the card table down to the sidewalk with our little little rascals money box and I would sell the 8 or 9 tickets to the people I talked into coming. And then uh, at 10 till 11 I would run upstairs and change clothes and then I would greet them on stage and I'm sure the people were like, is that the guy that handed the flyer? Is that the guy that took our money? You know, and then at the end of the night, I'd be the guy sweeping up the stage, and you know, it's not me, 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 it was, you know, Frank Ford, and David Ahern, and Troy Grant, I and mean, we were all, that's what we did.
0: Yeah. You know. And when you started this, just to be clear, I don't think I've said this, is improvisational comedy is what this, is the, the show that Yes. And what got you into improv in the first place?
1: Uh, I was a terrible stand-up.
0: Okay. <laughs> that's one way to do it. Yeah, I was in comedy
1: for many years, and I was really, and I was fine, no i wasn 't okay. the ego will airbrush the uh, I had been doing it a long time, and i was I never found my voice. I was only doing my impression of a stand up mm. people I liked you know trying to be Seinfeld or trying to be Carson or somebody I liked. I uh, never really found my voice and then I stumbled on improvisation and it was oh, it felt so much easier, yeah, so I did improv for a few years and then not knowing what I was doing, just it felt good because I get, got to be me and play characters. And then I went to Second City and realized, oh, I have to forget all that because I'm, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now this is a story I have to hit on and, and let's go ahead and do it now.
1: Uh, you, you're based out of Texas when you start. Right. We're in Fort Worth, Texas. The, I have my fingers on the pulse <laughs> of the entertainment community, Rich. First but of it's all, Fort let's, Worth,
0: Texas. let's start with how did you stumble onto improv in Fort Worth, Texas when this was the only, your show
1: was the only thing I knew. That's why we chose Fort Worth. And I have to take my hat off to Troy Grant, another one of the founding members. We were all Dallas guys. And Dallas had plenty of improv troops, but Fort Worth didn't have it. Yeah. We didn't have one troop. And Troy said, let's go to Fort Worth. And we were like, what are you talking about, Fort Worth? Man, I'd never been to Fort Worth. Wow. It's 45 minutes from Dallas. We drive over here on a Wednesday night. This place called Sundance Square is jumping, jumping, hopping. And I was looking around saying, this is amazing. It's 11 o'clock on a Wednesday night, and this place is hopping with people. And I thought to myself, God, if we were in Dallas at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday night downtown, you know, that just meant your Greyhound bus was late. I mean, you know, it really, it was, and we we're like, yeah, this is going to work. And the first theater we walked into and said, hey, we do improv, and we'd like to put on a show after your late show. The guy went, okay. And that was the same theater we're in now? No, no, that was one called Casa on the Square. It's about two blocks. Okay. And it was a little 90 seat theater and we used to follow Forever plaid. They would finish their show about 10:50 and we would put up a little blue curtain because we couldn't use our stage, just their lip and we'd put on a show 11 to 12:30 or 1. Wow. Uh, and then At some point we started out we started drawing more than forever plaid. Yeah.
0: And then you move into your own theater in a couple of years, right We did Let
1: me tell you on this place and if you're not if you're listening, go to 4dayweekend.com and click on the virtual tour. Because people say, Fort Worth, Texas, why are you there? If you're any good, you'd be in LA or New York or Chicago. Sure. Go look at our theater and then go, oh, I see why they're there. You know, it's this amazing place and, and uh, I was getting married because that's what you want to do when you're dead broke comic with zero. <laughs> you gotta you <laughs> got to get married and and take on more responsibility. Yeah. But this rooftop, it was the Caravan of Dreams, and this rooftop is an incredible bar. I'm, I was gonna have my rehearsal dinner up there. Mm. Well, it rained. Oh. And they said, don't worry, we have this empty theater on the second floor, we'll put you in. And I was like, so at first I was mad, and then they showed me this theater, and all I could think about was, what goes on in here? And they're like, oh, Nathan, it's been dark for years, and the whole time, I'm supposed to be thinking about my wedding, and all I can think of is, I gotta get in this theater, <laughs> I gotta get in this theater.
0: Really, this theater was just dark. dark? It's a 212-seat theater in the middle of downtown Fort
1: Worth, and it was just sitting here doing nothing. Well, it was part of the Caravan of Dreams. It was a very expensive real estate. It was an expensive place. And, you know, if you had a theater in here where you would do a run for eight weeks, and then you were dark for the casting and the set building and the rehearsing and then put up, you know, it's hard to make money. Yeah. But improv, we're evergreen. We have three black chairs. We can go every night. So we we could financially make it work because we never have... You know, we've done 4,500 shows here. Wow, that's fantastic.
0: Uh, so, you guys start this, and uh, well, let's back up though. You studied at the second city in Chicago. Right. And never lived in Chicago. No, 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 I,
1: I, I, I commuted from Fort Worth, Texas.
0: This is a story that I think everyone should hear. Uh, I, I've heard versions, but I wanna hear it straight from the Dave Wilkes mouth. <laughs> All right, here's the
1: deal. I didn't have any money. I couldn't get to Chicago, but Frank Ford and Troy Gantt were like, you've got to go up to Chicago, Dave. You'd love it. It's so, you know, you know, it's, like, it's such yeah. a great nurturing environment, and that's really what I needed. But my father worked for this uh, airline company back before scanning and digital photography and, you know, uh, w- mobile banking. They would physically have to fly these canceled checks from bank to bank, the Federal Reserve would do it. Oh wow! So my dad had this company where where there were um, I think he had fourteen MU two turbojets and a handful of Lear jets, and they would gut it out. They looked like the inside of a U-Haul. <laughs> well, they made different runs every night, taking these bags and bags and bags of canceled checks, so I could look at the map and go, okay, guy, I, I could go from Dallas at two a.m. I'd get to Little Rock, and then I could get on another one and make that to Birmingham, Alabama, and then take that to Cleveland, and then oh, that Cleveland gets me into Chicago. So it would take all night to get there, but I could go from my house to the steps of Second City for
0: $1.50. Wow.
1: For the Orange Line Fair from Midway to the Loop, right? Yeah. And then Hop on the Brown. And there you go. So that was it. For, I, I went to Second City. I studied for two years, and it cost me $1.50 a week. And the great Marty DeMott, God bless him, rest his soul, amazing mentor at Second City, heard what I was doing and said, hey, man, if you're having problems with the... Uh, with paying for the classes, we'll give you an internship and waive the fee. And that's why, that's what we do at 4-Day Weekend. Nobody ever cannot take the classes because they don't have the money. We'll, I can't tell you how many hundreds of students still owe. <laughs> sure. And it's fine, you know, That's because that's what it's all about. Yeah. You know.
0: Uh, so you're doing that, and, and how did you, so did you have to fly up twice a week to intern, or how did that?
1: Um, they, by intern, they meant look the other way. Oh, you know, wow. when, yeah, they were, they were. He was just a great man, and, and I, I try to emulate his behavior around this place. It's just I want to give, you know, pay it forward, pay it back, all that stuff. From Marty Demont.
0: Well, uh, I mean, I can, one hundred percent say I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for this place and you, and Frank specifically. So. Well, thank you. I think you know you paid back at least a little to me. Um, so you you study in in Chicago,
1: and then is that when you guys decide to do your own thing? We had. The real story is right before we went to Chicago, Frank had already been coming up here and we were in another improv troupe and it was not going well for us. And I worked there full time. Mm. I was kind of like the manager of the place. And the owner fired Frank oh. and Troy Grant stood up and said, boy, that's not right. He's done so much for this place. I'm out of here. And he left. Wow. So... I'm in the same boat. I'm feeling that's not right. I got to get out. But I had promised my fiancé that I wouldn't quit any more jobs, <laughs> plural, without checking with her. So I went home and said, honey, I, I, I got to leave. She's like, it's, our, it's what you do. You know, you spent three years there. I said, I, I'm leaving. So next week, next week, went in, quit, left. We all sat around Frank's living room, said, we're starting our own show. Wow.
0: There you go. There you have it. Uh... Man, there's so many questions. Um, and now, like, so not only do you do the show, but you, and you just came from a corporate gig, you guys, like, during the week, because your shows are Friday and Saturday, and when you're not doing that, it seems
1: like you're constantly busy. I I think me and 50 Cent are the hardest working men in show business. I'm not sure. Do you have as many bullet holes? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm a few bullet holes shy. But we're
0: our corporate, corporate. busy here's
1: the thing, we work clean, and we're not prudes by any stretch. It's just... We work relatively clean, yeah. and it has led to the corporate world, which you know again, it's not art, the corporate world. It's commerce. Now you can have creativity in it, sure, but we're selling things, and we get it, absolutely. But that enables us to stay in this beautiful theater. We get to travel the world, march alone. I was in Costa Rica, Hong Kong, uh, Jamaica, Vegas, DC. I'm just killing it on these corporate gigs, they treat you real well and, and the, the people are nice and, and hell, you don't have to be Seinfeld, you just have to be better than Earl from accounting who goes after you.
0: <laughs> now the thing is, is like being in Chicago, you know, I, I've done my, my fair share of corporate gigs for different places and I feel like even still, so many of them right now are like, wow, well, the economy, no one's hiring, but you guys haven't stopped working.
1: No, we're busier than ever. We are absolutely busier than ever.
0: What's the secret? Just constant hard work?
1: I think so. Yeah. yeah, again, we work full-time. There's people marketing this theater full-time. And anytime you do a good show, it will always lead to another good show.
0: Yeah.
1: And a- as will a discounted show. It will only lead to another discounted show. So I can't tell you the work we pass on, too, because you're right. The economy's tough. They don't have it in the budget. And, and you don't want it. It's- no. Once you take a discounted show, that's your new price.
0: Ah, oh, well, that's... Words to live by. Uh, so as far as um, your your outside activities, you're also you've been in a number of national commercials, you've done some independent films. Uh, where do you have time to fit all of this <laughs> in your life? You also have two kids.
1: I don't sleep. With no. uh, barely. It's hard work. I mean it's it's a full-time job. I wake up, I get the kids to school, and I go to work at 8.15 on four-day weekend. It's all I think about all day long. When I'm on the road, I've got my iPhone. You know, you can conduct business anywhere. I used to sleep on airplanes and now I make sure the flight has internet and I, <laughs> I work.
0: Uh, when you, can you... Would you be comfortable talking about the, uh, the TV thing? Oh, yeah. yeah. So you guys yeah. came close. As, as, as I'm going to try to encapsulate You were like super close to getting a TV show picked up by... We sold it. Or you did sell.
1: Yeah, we sold it. Fox bought it. And it was the... We were so excited that we just sat back and let them run right over us and and you you know how it happens it's yeah we've been banging away for so long we finally sell a show and of course we're nobody's from fort worth and they didn't want nobody's from fort worth writing it the network didn't so they put these emmy winners on it and they all these high a-list people which was great but it's the old hollywood story every version of script we get back it get it got watered down it got less and less it and and it finally I, i said to uh our management out in LA has it reads like a sitcom. And, yeah. and he says, It is a sitcom. I was like, Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and then uh, when it was, and it didn't get picked up. Yeah. So it's sitting on a shelf somewhere. I mean,
0: you, you sold a TV show to a network that very few people can say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, what can you say? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an accomplishment, even if it didn't lead to a show being on the air. Is that still? I mean, obviously the, the theater's still running all the time, the corporate absolutely, running, but TV's still on the so, Yeah,
1: TV, and, and it's funny, we're older now, I don't see us being in the TV shows anymore, that'll be the younger cast, hopefully we can break through. But it's, you know, writing, selling, producing, that's, that's great, yeah. and uh, you know the thing about selling a show to a, a network is you can get any meeting you want now. So when we're ready, and, and thank God for the success of Four Day Weekend, if we have an idea and we want to pitch it well we just go buy tickets and fly out there and our management sets up the meetings we make the rounds we pitch
0: wow so you know selling that show got you in the door
1: yes yeah we could take any meeting we want now and that's and we, and we just did you know we went out and we were, we pitched a book which is an interesting concept but we pitched a book and our management said yeah let me make a call makes a call now we have a literary agent i mean it was when you get that skin on the wall then everything else Opens up a little bit more. Wow, fantastic. Yeah,
0: it's crazy.
1: Just, yeah, doesn't just, we still don't have a show on the air? I, but we've taken an awful lot of meetings, Rich. Well, you've taken more, <laughs> more meetings
0: than I have. I can barely get people on this podcast. Um, let's go back to at what point in young Dave Wilkes life did you go? Yeah, I want to be. I want to be an entertainer. I knew
1: I always wanted to do it, and. I just didn't know how. Okay. So you do. Did you, what like, you do the think plays in the no, you know, in high no, school or anything? No, never did any of that. Okay. It wasn't, a, I, knew, I, I knew what I wanted to do, I just didn't know how, and it, it didn't seem like high school plays were going to get me there. And I don't, nothing wrong with it, it just wasn't my thing. Yeah. And, you know, you're working on the ships for Second City, right? Yep, cruise well, ships. I, I took a summer job uh, working on cruise ships when I was in college, and it turned into three years, mm. and I ended up being assistant cruise director. And Holding on to that microphone and making those people laugh. I was like, oh, okay. That's what I want to do. So I, I left there to do stand-up and then was terrible at it. <laughs> it was, I was really not good. I, I went back and looked at tapes and it's my ears tingle when I watch it.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, What can you do? Were you, and you were Dallas-based? No, I, was, I
1: lived in Phoenix. I had all these... Uh, I worked in a comedy club in Oklahoma City and they were like, yeah, Yo, you gotta move to Phoenix. You can do sets every night, hone your act, then go to LA, so that was the plan. Oh, okay. And I was, you know, you do two or three sets a night, you could hit all these different places, so I was working a ton.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, instead of stepstone to LA, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, was like, uh, I don't wanna go to LA. <laughs> so we, d- we decided on Dallas, because it was big enough that I thought I could make a living there.
0: Yeah, and you have
1: and I have as it turns out. So, so thank you, thank you Amy.
0: Nice nice job there. Yeah. Shout out to the wife. Uh, what's it like being married with you got two kids, young kids still, yep. and how, how what's that like balancing the father and the full-time
1: job? Well, it's the bags under my eyes are are bigger than they used to be because I don't sleep a whole lot. Yeah. You know, you, you do the improv at night and you're, you know, and then there's have few drinks afterwards it's fun you're living that lifestyle but come 7 30 in the morning regardless of what the night before was those kids want breakfast and and, they, and they, you know they keep eating i know they want their food They're and like then like the theater they keep feeding everyone me. in my life just needs to be fed <laughs> and th- and that's so th- you know and then i'm coach dave now my my schedule permits me to be you know since i don't have a job yeah i mean you know when at 3 30 when it's time for soccer practice or baseball practice i'm take the phone with me, put it in my pocket, and I'm Coach Dave.
0: Wow. At what point did uh, the, the corporate stuff start and, and when did it really take all right, on? Here's
1: the, corp- here's, here's the corporate thing. Okay. I have a director friend named Tom Danoff, phenomenally talented director, and he used to hire me for these commercials. And he's been so good for me. And he says, how come you don't need to do these corporate gigs? And we're like, ah, corporate. They want to sell out and do corporate? We were all, oh, we were so disgusted at the thought of selling out. <laughs> And he looked at me and he said, you are stupid as shit. And I said, what? He said, "What what are you talking about selling out? And he said, who do you think the CEO of TXU Energy plays golf with? Other CEOs, like the CEO of Sony and Paramount. He goes, rich people know rich people. And the light bulb came on and we started doing corporate work and our Rolodex, who we know, Opens up yeah. now. You know now we do you know 150 corporate dates a year. We know Fortune 500 CEOs all over the place. Wow. Love us. Talk to them. We're friends with them. Bust their balls. Have fun. You know because we don't we don't have to kiss their ass like we're, we work for them. We only work for them a couple hours. You know yeah. a year and they love it. And that has led to the networking in that circle has led to anything we want.
0: Wow. At at any point during this 15-year run in Fort Worth, Texas, like, obviously, uh, Troy, you know, who I got the fortune of seeing before he left, he decided to pack up and go to L.A. Yes. And he's doing his thing out there. Did that ever occur to you to be like,
1: maybe I should, maybe four-day weekend's just a stepping stone to... Well, I, you know, I dove in with both feet, and since everybody else was doing it in addition to something else, I think it was a little bit different of a mindset, but for me, there was no plan B. Mm. I was... This had to work. Yeah. It had to work.
0: <laughs> Didn't you go to co- you went to college, right? I went to college, yeah. What did you I use- no
1: longer felt the institution had anything left to offer <laughs> me? <laughs> I mean, obviously and they like- felt the same about me. That's fine. Uh, but what did you study when you were there? I was a business major. Okay. Which did as it turns out, son of a gun, I guess it helped. <laughs> <laughs> and like you're a business major but still thinking you wanted to perform and Yeah, I just you know when you're that age, you, you want to do what you think you sh- are supposed to do. and You don't have the courage to kind of follow your inner voice and say, no, I'm not going to do that. And it wasn't until the machine kind of spit me out that I went, well, maybe I should try something.
0: Yeah. For, and obviously you've taught, I mean, at this point, thousands of students, maybe. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, every level one, I taught every single level one. I wanted to know every student here. And that's why I know you and I, you know, and I have all these amazing students that are out, you know, doing incredible things and and hopefully they have a fond memory of of level one, you know. Um, I'm sure most of them do. I do.
0: Uh, You've taught all these students. Do you, what advice do you have for like anyone who could listen to this podcast, which could be tens of people. Wow. Uh, I have a huge
1: following.
0: Um, What advice do you have for people who want to do what you do?
1: I say, here's the deal. Do it. There's no pill. Can't go to Walgreens, get a prescription, and take a pill and have 500 shows under your belt. You have to go out and do those 500 shows. I mean, think about how many shows have sucked. And if you'd have quit because they were bad, I've done 4,500 shows. Well, let's say 10%, and I'm being very generous. Let's say 10% (laughs) sucked. That's 450 shitty shows. I think you need those. Maybe not that many, but you, know, but you need, you can't, there's no pill, there's no class, there's no substitute for stage time. Yeah. Get the coffee shop, get the back of the boat, whatever. Get up, you know, you've done it. Absolutely.
0: So that's, just do it. Kind of subscribe to that Malcolm Gladwell thing mm-hmm. of like, you know, 10,000. 10,000,
1: right, I've, I've put in my 10,000 hours. And as it turns out, he's right. Yeah, Right. I'll be darned. Yeah.
0: Uh, what, did you ever have a civilian job? Like a non-entertainer job and... Mm. and
1: like, oh, yeah, let's see. 1-800-PET-FINES, sold pet tags. Uh, <laughs> uh, National Flood Information Services, used to check flood maps. Let's say you refinance your house, you gotta know if that bad boy's in a flood map. Call somebody like me, I look at a map and go, nope, or yup. Uh, what other lousy, I've waited tables, cooked pizza, you know.
0: Everything.
1: Everything. Yeah. Everything.
0: In Fort Worth, this is more common, but uh, it even is, happens in Chicago, the the mecca of improv, as I think is pretty unarguable, there are people who are born and raised in Chicago who are in their 40s and 50s who don't know what improvisation is.
1: It blows me away. We've been here 15 years in a prime location and every week somebody comes in and goes, you guys new? When would you get here? Now keep in mind, they have to, they have to walk up a flight of stairs passed about 60 articles that have been written about us. I'm like, yeah. have, you, have you read a paper? <laughs> have you? Heard of the internet. So it, it's just, I guess, so saturated with stuff to do, and people are busy every week. Oh, this, is, this place is great. You just open up, 15 <laughs> years.
0: This, uh, uh, well, like, how, do you, how do you market to, to the masses? Like Obviously, you, you don't live off the same you know, 500 people coming over and over. No, and over. you can't.
1: You know, I, I've seen our audience grow. Mature, leave, and then you have to find a new audience. You know, you'll get, and it's the Pied Piper effect. I love seeing on the reservation sheet uh, Tomlinson for two. And then the next week, you'll see Tomlinson for eight. Ah. They've come, they've seen the show, and they're your Pied Piper. So word of mouth has been enormous for us. And, you know, knock on wood, thanks to the success. And we have a director of marketing now and people who work. Look, she's upstairs working right now. So, oh, okay. so someone's up there Working right now, marketing this show somewhere, somehow, yeah. and, and that's, and we're, I don't know, we're you know lucky meets good meets timing meets I don't you know. Do you get to? Uh, I'm assuming the answer is no, but do you get to
0: see much other improv in the last? Few I have years? not seen another
1: improv show in a decade. Wow. So I'm kind of in a bubble, and you know I try to get to Second City every review, but it's been a while. Yeah. And you know, we kind of do our thing, and, and I would like to see more, but I, I don't have, I cannot tell my wife and kids, hey, guess what I'm doing tonight? <laughs> I'm going to go see some more improv.
0: You know? Well, absolutely. <laughs> but I, and the reason I bring that up is because your show, and I don't want to belabor the details on this podcast, but it's like you take suggestions through post it notes uh, for most of your suggestion taking, which yes. is. Uh, I've, in all of my time in Chicago, which was about seven years now, I've never seen that outside of this theater. Where'd you get that
1: idea from? Um, you know what? Second City. In their third act, they had some people write on cards and put them in a hat or something. Uh-huh. And that was what they were going to work on for the third act. Oh, I see. Well, we didn't always do that, but when you start your show at 11 o'clock, and people have never seen it, and you give them the green light to yell out stuff, it would become unmanageable. So our logic was, what can exactly? So what can we do to still take suggestions from the audience, but kind of control them or corral them a little bit? And it's, oh, have them do it before the show. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about the theater with the screen out of the ceiling and all the, you know, it has the bells and whistles that enable us to do that. Yeah. But that way, we're still improvising from audience suggestions, but you don't have that total cluster F of people screaming and yelling and. You know, not that I don't like people yelling dildo at me. Well, I love it. I mean, on a will occasion, you yell it at me now, Rich? Dildo. Yeah.
0: <laughs> dildo. How about that? Um, <laughs> I'm <a> ridiculous. <laughs> uh, do, you, with, do you have like a? I mean, obviously, Marty Dubot, you know, is a is a mentor hero of yours. Do you, growing up, did you have someone that you were like, I want to be like this person? Not, not.
1: Well, Carson, and then okay. and then Letterman. I mean, if you look at all my corporate shtick, I'm I'm just I'm a stealing Letterman. I mean, I'm just, I'm channeling his earlier stuff, and I I just, I love Letterman. But when I got into improvisation, the cast that was on the main stage when I was at classes at Second City was Tina Fey, Rachel Dratch, Jenna Jolovich, Scott Scott Adsit, who is my, my, I've never met the man, but my hero. That guy, I watched him for three years. I never saw him drop the ball, miss. He's Amazing. Wow. He is absolutely my favorite improviser. Kevin Dorf was incredible there. Jim Zulebich. I mean, those, those guys just, you know, Tellerico. those guys are, are unbelievable. Yeah. And I could watch them all day long. And then I saw UCB perform Saigon Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And I came back and I said, we're doing it wrong. <laughs> and we need to get a lot better. Because at that time we were just playing games. Yeah. And then I saw Saigon Suicide Squad and I, I was blown away that you could do that with an audience and take them on that ride. And it was like, no, nope, look around, we're changing the show up today. When you and that's went, when all the multimedia stuff and all that came into play.
0: Oh, and, and, and your show, like in Chicago, I think it's more of a Brechtian type minimalist thing, but <laughs> your show has, it's so, particularly for
1: people who've never seen improv before, it's so accessible with the video and the, the Yeah, it's, Here's the, what we've done, I think, really well. We've taken improv, the bare bones art form of improv, and then we've married it with theater and production value. Yeah. The theater lends itself to lighting cues and musical cues and Ray Sharp, our musical director, is phenomenal and, and he's an improviser in his own right, so he could follow us. The video capabilities are have taken us to another level and just the theater itself is like the fifth improviser.
0: My assumption is, is that when you were at Second City, you were right in the right age range and uh, had the talent to probably try to be on the tour co or something like that did that ever occur create- yeah i really wanted
1: that but i was 30 when i graduated i was 30 mm. and there's nothing wrong with being 30 except i did the math which is get red flagged for year one get tour co for year two tour for two years maybe get etc maybe not wait a year maybe get etc maybe not and I, I did the math to my path to the main stage. And it was, if you ever get there, which McNapier told me, I like you Dave, but I got 400 guys that look just like you. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> he
0: told me the same thing? Yeah. So, and, and he does. Yeah. And now they
1: probably have 800 guys that look just like oh, me. No. And that was, at, at age 30, I didn't have six years. Yeah. If I were 22, I would have done it for sure. Mm. But at 30, I was like, nope, I need something now.
0: And I think history shows that you made a pretty good call. Oh, thank
1: you. You're, you're nailing it. Uh,
0: anything you want to plug? Obviously, go to 40weekend.com. There's a lot of stuff there. Um, any? You've been in some independent films. You want to shout yeah, out Yeah, you know, or?
1: just um, here's what I want to plug. Go see the improv troupe in your town. Go support improvisational theater. All right. How's that?
0: That's perfect. Awesome. Dave uh personal mentor of mine, a uh, big fan. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're
1: welcome. What's this podcast
0: called? Living the Dream. Damn right. Big thank you to CEO of Comedy Podcast Network, Phil Ranta. Also thanks to Tom Burns, Diana Lawrence. Check us out on facebook.com slash Podcast. Or email me at livingthedreampodcast@gmail.com. gmail.com. Give us a rating on iTunes. It helps out a lot. Next week's episode features Director of Entertainment and Productions at the Ballpark at Arlington for the Texas Rangers Major League Baseball Club, Mike Cruz. That's going to be a lot of fun. Check that one out. My name is Rich Baker, and this is Living the Dream.